0: This is a special edition of the Citizen of Heaven podcast, my top 10 starter board games. I'm Hal Hammonds, Citizen of Heaven, your embedded correspondent in Satan's World. Thanks for listening, sharing, and subscribing. Recently, I showed with the Heaven Citizens Facebook group my list of 10 games I recommend if you're thinking about starting a game collection. Whether you've never played a game in your life or if you think entertainment begins and ends with checkers, I think you'll find some information that might make your days in Satan's world a bit more manageable. Enjoy. Uh, before we get into the list, I want to do a little bit of personal business here. Those of you who have been following me on Facebook today may know where I'm going with this because I am reading an unbelievably and and frankly embarrassingly large number of books this year. I am surrounded by books that I don't know what to do with and the local used bookstore has gotten very, very conservative with regard to how much money they're willing to give out and trade in. And it strikes me that it would be a better plan for me to just give them away, or pretty close to give them away anyway. Uh, I gave out a a block of Texas Aggie-themed books today. Uh, I have a lot of Aggie friends, and those went pretty quickly, and so this may be a, a plan, uh, so uh, in the next few weeks or so, I'm probably going to try to bundle up some books, for instance, on Explorers or American Revolution or Presidents or uh, things of that nature. Try to put three or four books in a uh, in a block where they'd be simpler to ship out. If you have an interest in these kind of things, I would really love to hear from you. I'm not really looking to make any kind of money off of this. If you can cover my shipping costs, that'd be great. But the main thing is to put these books, many of which, most of which, frankly, are quite good in the hands of people who will appreciate them. Some of them have appeared on the podcast, many of them, uh, some of them not yet, but uh, at any rate, uh, be on the lookout for that, and hopefully that'll be, uh, these these beautiful little books will find a nice, uh, not second home, I guess it'd be more like third or fourth or fifth home, but hopefully they'll be a, a blessing to somebody else like they have been to me. So be on the lookout for that. If you uh, if you follow along with the Facebook page, Heaven Citizens, that's our, our Facebook group. I'll put some notes in there when uh, the time arrives. Uh, I'm really very, very much looking forward to the rest of Monster Month in October. We are talking about uh, monsters. We've had a, a vampire episode and we've had a werewolves episode. We have robots and zombies coming up. If you haven't already subscribed, obviously, I, I would really appreciate it if you could do that. And especially if you could spread the word, if you give me a, a positive rating, share an episode or share the, the podcast link to somebody on Facebook or social media. I appreciate that very, very much. We're, uh, we're growing and uh, and hopefully continue to grow. Not just because I, I like big numbers, but because I like to think anyway, we're doing something for the cause of Christ here, and you can be a help with that, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, looking forward very much to the reading month that's coming up in November, including in particularly a great conversation I had with Elizabeth Nowlin from the Book Fair podcast and uh, my buddy Edwin Crozier from the Text Talk podcast, uh, two very avid readers, And we had a great conversation about the role that reading plays in our walk with Christ. And and we play a little game called Gilligan's Island, where you can decide what books you're going to take with you on a desert island. Uh, Look forward to that. That's going to be the Tuesday, the first Tuesday in November that that's going to drop. All right, to the point of business here today, I have announced that I was going to give a list of 10 games that make for a good starter list of board games, modern games, that is. I'm not talking about Parcheesi and Stratego and Monopoly and things like that. If those are your kind of thing, that's great. We'll offer you some suggestions here. And every one of these uh, games is available on Amazon. I did a recent search to price them out and the entire list comes out at under $200. Uh, Most of them quite a bit cheaper than that. And I wanted to introduce you to different sorts of games so you can find out what's going to be good for you. I'm going to give you one for free before we get started, because I don't have a cooperative game in the list, and I felt bad about that. Cooperative games are a really important genre. Our family doesn't really like cooperative games, typically. That's just our thing. And the most popular cooperative board game in in the modern day is probably Pandemic. It's almost certainly Pandemic. Maybe you've played it before. I've never played Pandemic. We were mostly because we're not really into cooperative games. If you want to keep your price point low, if you want to kind of edge into the cooperative genre without too much investment, I would suggest that you try The Mind. The Mind is a small card game. I can't show you because we don't have it. We played it once at a board game cafe and it's just not our thing at all. In The Mind, what you're doing is you're working with the people at the table and everybody has a hand of cards numbered from I think it's one to ninety-nine and you want to play them in order. You never know which cards are available. Several of them have not been dealt out. And so you want to start with the really low ones and move on to the the really high ones or vice versa. And you're not allowed to talk, obviously. How long am I going to wait to play my 56 when there's a 48 on the table? There may be a card in between there. Do I need to wait? How long would I wait? It's getting into the head of your playing partners. That's why that's the cooperative part of it. And that's why it's called The Mind. It very well may be a, a thing for you. It's an extraordinarily popular game. A lot of people love, love, love The Mind. Uh, the Mind is at ten ninety nine. last time I checked. So that's a, that's a pretty good deal. All right. Anyway, onto the list. And these are listed from small to large, which is generally the same thing as cheap to expensive. I'm going to start with the Love Letter. It's just a small deck of cards, and the idea is that the princess is getting a love letter, and we're trying to figure out where the letter is coming from. And the theme is very, very weak in this. In fact, our favorite version of love letter is Batman themed. If you think that Batman's sending a, trying to figure out who sent the love letter to Robin, was it the Joker? Was it? It's it makes no sense at all. Don't worry about that. The point is to have fun. And the way you do this is you have two cards in your hand and you play one of them and that empowers you to do this or that or the other. Uh, Again, not thematic at all, but it's very, very simple to play, very uh, inexpensive. I saw today Love Letter is going for $12.59 on Amazon, which is a great deal. You play to a total of five points. That whole thing will take 20 minutes, 30 minutes, something like that a very, very good game. Uh, The second one I have is No Thanks, and No Thanks is kind of my go-to game for relatively large groups. If you're talking about three, four, maybe I think it plays up to uh, seven or eight. Again, you have a deck of cards, and these cards are numbered from, I think, three to 36. Some of them are taken out, so you don't know exactly which ones are out there. And you want to collect as few points as possible, and the number of points that you have is governed by how many cards you have in your tableau that you've drafted. You don't have to take any cards. If you don't want to take a card, all you have to do is play one of the little red chips here and say, no thanks, and the play goes around. Well, you have a finite number of chips, obviously, so eventually you're going to have to take a card. And so you have to decide when it's in your best interest to go ahead and take a card. The chips that are laid out there on the card that's being Bypassed over and over again count as negative points. Sometimes you want to collect a whole bunch of chips so you can say no to other cards. If you can have a fifteen and a sixteen together, you only get fifteen points instead of sixteen points. It's a push your luck kind of thing to a certain degree. Playing a hand of cards and choosing whether to take, choosing whether to pass, etc. It's it's a lot of fun. Not very thinky. Doesn't uh, require a whole lot of teaching. I saw a copy for nine ninety nine. It says officially three to seven players. And the more you have at the table, the better. It creates a really interesting dynamic, interesting conversations, a lot of fun. Probably the biggest bang for the buck of any game that I have in my collection is, is no thanks. The third one I have is Werewords. Werewords is, is kind of like One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which I talked about on the podcast this week in the sense that it's werewolf themed. One person is responsible for, for communicating a word to the rest of the group. By asking yes, no questions, the people in the group figure out what the word is. Now, the trick is there may be a werewolf in the midst. And if there is a werewolf in the midst, then he is trying to be deceptive. He's trying to make you waste questions. He's trying to get you off track and uh, defeat the cause of the villagers, as it were. Again, the thematic aspect of some of these games is is a little bit of a reach. But anyway, if uh, the werewolf manages to force the villagers to to lose, then the villagers have an opportunity to vote on who the werewolf actually is. So you can't be really obvious with your distractions, with your, your problem making, because if they decide that you're the werewolf and they're correct, then they win the game anyway. A lot of fun all the way around. It's very easy to teach, very easy to uh to get into. The text says it plays up to 10. I see no reason why you couldn't play more than that if you wanted to. It gets a little chaotic, of course, at large numbers, but uh a lot of fun. The next one is sushi go. I have sushi go party, which is the uh the bigger, more elaborate version. My advice is this buy sushi go. Uh currently on Amazon it is going for eleven dollars and ninety-seven cents. If you like Sushi Go, then give it to somebody who you want to get into the game, get into the hobby, and then buy yourself a copy of Sushi Go Party. It's basically more of the same. It's a card drafting game where you have a hand of cards and you play one of them and pass the rest. It's just adorable. I'll tell you a story. Actually, when I brought this home, Sushi Go, the first time and showed Tracy, Tracy said, this is ridiculous. I'm not playing a game about sushi. I said, it's going to be great. Let's play it. And we played it and it was great. We loved it. And then Taylor came home from school and, hey, we've got this great game about sushi. I don't want to play a game about sushi. That sounds stupid. We'll just play it. We'll see what happens. She loved it too. And then Kylie comes home. We found this great game about sushi. I don't want to play a game about sushi. It's going to be fun. Trust us. And and she loved it too. It's very, very easy to get into. You're collecting sets. Sometimes you are prioritizing one sort of sushi over another. The one that has the most Maki rolls gets the number one bonus. The one who has the the least doesn't get any points, et cetera. There are going to be some end game points that you can collect if you want to, et cetera, et cetera. And sushi go party is just basically more choices, more of the same instead of the same cards all the time. You can mix in different sets. It's a lot of fun. And I have yet to play this with somebody who didn't enjoy it. Uh, I would strongly encourage uh, you'd try out Sushi Go. Just One is, I, I wanted to pick at least one party game, and Just One is our party game of choice these days. The box says three to seven. I think that's ridiculous. You need three players, sure, but we've played it with 20. It's kind of like Taboo or some uh, games like that where you're trying to communicate a, a word, a message. Everybody knows the the word except for the person who's it or who's the leader or whatever terminology you use, the people who are trying to get the person to guess the word properly can use one word, any word that they want, as long as it's not a proper noun or a number or there's some special provisos that are, that are put on there, but essentially just one word. The important thing is you can't duplicate your word with anybody else's word. It encourages a lot of interaction between people. It encourages fun and laughter, etc. That's what party games are all about. There's not really you know, any winners or losers in the game. It's just the experience. I wanted to pick a tile-laying game, and I picked King Domino. And King Domino is a good choice for a variety of reasons. One, it's easy to play. It's not expensive. It's, again, small. Just one went for sixteen sixty one on Amazon. I don't think I mentioned that. King Domino I found for fifteen We've played this for years and years. There are upgraded versions of King Domino. There's Queen Domino, which is... Bigger, there's King Domino Origins, which we haven't played. We just recently bought a game called Moon River, which is a King Domino type game, and we uh we like that very much, maybe even a little bit more than King Domino. King Domino has an expansion, Age of Giants, which we like a lot. We won't play it without the Giants now. In King Domino, you are drafting tiles and you're trying to build a little community you get points for hay fields and you get points for forests and you get f- points for water, etc. And the bigger a section you can get of, of a particular thing. And the more crowns you get on that section, the better your score is going to be. So you have to be able to play everything that you play. It has to go in, in a certain place and you're trying to form a, a square, a five by five square. So the, Tiles that you pick have to be able to be played, but you also want them to mean something. You want them to score you some points. There's a lot of strategy, but not, again, too too terribly thinky strategy. King Domino is a, a terrific starter game for tile laying and, and city building. Speaking of city building, our very favorite city building game, which I think we've mentioned on the podcast before, is Machi Koro 2. Uh, Machi Koro 2 is, in my mind anyway, vastly preferable to Machi Koro, the original if uh, you can't find machikoro 2 and you uh, you can find the regular Koro, go ahead and get that Koro is a great game just everything that machikoro does Machi 2 does better as far as I'm concerned uh, we found a copy of this for 29.95 on Amazon recently uh machikoro 2 is a city building game of sorts anyway uh, it's a city built out of cards which may not be your favorite construction device but at any rate you have these cards and that uh, you know, there's an apple orchard, and there's a, a winery, and there is a cornfield. And depending on how the dice roll, different people are going to score. An apple orchard, for instance, gets you three coins from the bank anytime a 10 is rolled, and it doesn't matter who's rolling. Uh, on the other hand, a family restaurant, when somebody else rolls a 9 or a 10, they have to pay you two coins. You don't get anything, but they have to pay you. A winery is going to give you three coins from the bank for every farm establishment that you have, but it's only on your own turn. The purple cards, the green cards, the red cards, the blue cards, they all score a little bit differently. But the idea is that basically you're trying to make a lot of money, and you do that by spending money, as is usually the case in the world and in board games. And eventually you earn enough money to buy one of these landmarks, and when you buy three landmarks, you've won the game. You can just keep buying cards, buying cards, buying cards and wind up with a tremendous city. But in the meantime, somebody else is actually winning the game. So you have to make good choices and try to put yourself in position to succeed. Number eight is Azul. And uh, if there was one modern game that I would recommend, this might very well be it. There are a lot of versions of Azul that are out there. There's a chocolate version now that uh, looks very, very interesting. They all play a little bit differently, but uh, Azul is the standard and is still our favorite. What you're trying to do is build a floor of tiles, Portuguese tiles. You are able to fill out a grid by drafting tiles, and there's a row with only one, there's a row with two, with three. You fill out the row with the tiles that you draft and any extra tiles get broken and they're going to cost you points. So you have to make a good decision about, is it good to start a row in the, in the five column here or should I just go ahead and put it in the two column and be done. You have to make the rows and the columns precisely correct. There's a good bit more strategy in Azul than there is in, I suppose, any of the other games we've been talking about, but it's not difficult to play. You can make it more difficult if you want to. And some of the other Azul games that are available can get more complicated. Azul itself is really pretty easy to get into. And I can get you a great deal on Azul. As it turns out, I was pricing Azul at somewhere upward of $30. Today, I checked and it was $21.70. It's a tactile kind of thing. When you're able to put your hands on cool little pieces, it just makes all the difference in the world. And you can... Hear that rattling, right? This is a bag full of tiles and they are, they're hard and they're, they're uh, colorful. It's, it's, a uh, it's really a tactile kind of thing where you can actually put your hands in things. It makes a difference. It really does. Good components are a lot more important to the quality of the game than I had re- realized at first. So if you want a good abstract game, I would strongly, strongly encourage you to get Azul. And then maybe if you want to branch out into other Azul themed type games. The ninth one that I have is New York Slice. Speaking of crunchy games, you can can hear the pieces rattling around in here. If someone's not sure if they want to play a game, New York Slice is an easy sell because you ask them, do you like pizza? They say, sure, I like pizza. Okay, well, New York Slice is a game about pizza. You have pieces of pizza that you form into big circles. You are trying to get a majority In each one of the different denominations, there's a pepperoni pizza that uh, there's nine of those, and there are six of the pineapple and, and pepperoni pizzas there. There's seven of the veggie pizzas, barbecue pizza, and there's only five of those. If you win the majority of the barbecue pizzas, for instance, you get five points. There are six rounds in the game, and a pizza is formed with random pieces of pizza. And then whoever is in charge in that particular round separates the pieces in a way that's relatively even this is the i cut you choose uh, mechanic and it's such a a perfect way of causing difficult decisions but basically there are six players for instance and so i'm going to cut the pizza into six chunks here and i would like to get the best one of course but everybody else is picking first so i have to make the last one relatively good also i have to have relatively even splits i have flashbacks to childhood and there's one piece of cake and it's between me and my brother and, and I get to cut it and he gets to choose and I'm getting out the kitchen scale just to make sure he doesn't get a microgram more than I do. It's, it's gotta be just super, super even. That's the, the feel that you get in New York slice. The last one is not going to be a surprise necessarily. And it's a brick because I have all of my ticket to ride maps in the same box. Uh, Ticket to Ride is a classic set collection game where you are going all over the map trying to build routes from this place to that place. You're given destination cards at the beginning and you're trying to complete those. You get points for doing so. You get deducted points if you don't do so. If you complete all your destinations, you can draft more destination cards, etc. Basically, you have a choice of, of colored cards that you can draw from trying to get five pinks to go from Los Angeles to San Francisco, for instance, or three of any color to go from here to there, et cetera, that it's not the most accurate map in the world. In fact, I've seen it criticized by one of my geography guys that I watch on YouTube. He says it's the worst map he's ever seen. Well, it probably is, but it's a great game. And there's a reason why it's been so popular for more than 20 years now. Uh, We have maps uh, that supplement the game. We, there's a an Africa map. There is an Asia map. There's a Japan map. There is a Switzerland map, et cetera, et cetera. We have, I think, six or seven of them. Uh, Ticket to Ride is the most expensive game on the uh, on the list here. I uh, take it back. Uh, New York Slice actually lists at $29.35. I found Ticket to Ride for $28.42. So that's 11 games that you can buy for less than $200 you know, plus tax. That would give you uh, an idea of what games are available and what you might like. You may decide that you don't like half of these games, but you could take the family to the movies four times maybe, or you could buy a small library of board games that could keep you entertained for 10 years. We have found it to be a very cost-effective and very bonding kind of of way to entertain ourselves with the family. It's been a, a real joy to us. To connect with one another on that kind of level. And I I hope that you have a similar kind of experience. Now, maybe board gaming is not for you, and that's okay. I'm not judging you as a person, but if you're looking for a cost effective way to fill up your closet with something that will entertain young and old alike, visitors, et cetera, even play some of them solo. I don't think any of these games play solo, but there are many games that do then maybe board gaming is for you. And hopefully this list will give you an idea of what to look for and how much you might be expected to spend. Amazon tends to be a very good place to purchase games. The best option is always to go to your friendly local game store and ask for help and and actually put your hands on some things and look at box backs and and do some research. BoardGameGeek.com is a great resource to go to. There are YouTube channels like the Dice Tower that I really get a lot of information from. Or you can just call me, and, and I'll tell you what I think about a particular game or, or kind of game. Ultimately, you make your own decision, and hopefully, whatever you do, uh, you can find a way to distract yourself from the ugliness of this world and the, the sin and the depravity out there, and just sit around the table with some friends and some family and and enjoy yourself for a little bit and remind you that there are good things in this world. Thank you for listening to the Citizen of Heaven podcast. Please rate, review, and share so others can access this content. I encourage you also to join the Heaven Citizens Facebook group. There you will find links to related materials, conversation starters, poll questions, and the occasional special announcement. Also, check out the Hal Hammond's channel on YouTube for even more content. Until next time, be strong and courageous, fight the good fight of faith, and do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is Hal Hammond's Citizen of Heaven signing off.